Welcome to Get Unstuck. Move forward with your life with Jason Hopkins. Over the next hour, you will be given valuable tips and tools you can use to overcome what keeps you stuck. Now, here is Jason. Welcome to Get Unstuck, Move Forward With Your Life. I am your host, Jason Hopkins. Thank you for joining us today. Get Unstuck Radio is inspired by my own journey of navigating this thing called life. More than a decade ago, I faced my own dark night of the soul, a painful chapter that robbed me of my mind, my money, and my way. After a series of catastrophic setbacks upended a lifetime of work, I was left with two choices, to end it all or to begin again. Fortunately, with a mustard seed of faith, I chose to walk forward with a new commitment to serve others. Over the last decade, I have faithfully worked to evolve the narrative of how the world sees mental health. By recognizing that everyone struggles, sometimes we all need new insight and a different perspective to see life more clearly. Not only is this show the birthplace of my own efforts to overcome life's challenges, but a safe space to meet other champions who, even after setbacks, still bravely show up and serve others. Get Unstuck Radio highlights the phenomenal people who have joined me along the way. It is a place to share their stories, which hopefully will spark inspiration in your own life. Together, we celebrate our individual capacity to move forward and get the lives we truly desire. Each week, a distinguished guest will share their own unique perspective about what it takes to move beyond stuck and achieve the truest potential. Regardless of where you are, I'm hopeful you will discover the inspiration and courage to make an impact in your own life. Let's get started. Today, I'm thrilled to welcome my friend and colleague, Amy Staley. Amy is a licensed clinical social worker with nearly two decades of experience holding a master's in social work from Boston University. Her career has been dedicated to helping those affected by trauma and navigating the mental health system. Amy has held various roles in her career, including direct practice, management and leadership positions in different clinical settings, such as community mental health, behavioral health hospitals, and educational institutions. She also served as an adjunct faculty member at the University of Denver Graduate School of Social Work. Known for her innovative thinking, Amy challenges traditional mental health structures by applying a trauma-informed approach in both clinical care and community system analysis. Her unique combination of passion and creativity sets her apart. Collaborating with NAMI Arapahoe Douglas Counties, Amy has, has spearheaded community survey projects that highlight the voices of youth, individuals, and families impacted by mental health shedding a light on their mental health challenges and available resources. She is committed to empowering communities through research and advocacy. Amy, I'm grateful to having you here today for Get Unstuck Radio. And we have imagined this conversation sometime and really was so excited to have you as a, a guest, not only for the phenomenal work that you're doing in the community, but really for your own personal story that brings you to doing this work today. So welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you, Jason. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. So as we're getting started here, um, I want to level set the conversation. Really, the focus today is to talk about you know, how we move on after a traumatic event. And you've got a pretty unique story that I think our listeners will be interested in learning more about. I certainly have my own story. And, you know, focusing and recognizing that when when bad things or unfortunate things happen in our lives, 
you know, we will have to go forward and move on with our life. And I know that's kind of become the central theme or hub for the work and how you show up to serve others. Give us a little backstory to how you became this incredible human that's serving others in the mental health space. Oh, well, thank you for that nice introduction, Jason. Um, You know, as you shared, I think we all have our stories that make us who we are today. And I think that each of us have experienced things in life that contribute to who we become and how we show up personally, professionally, um, and in general in the world. And, you know, my story started, um, I mean, all of ours probably started when we were very young, but um, I had a significant traumatic event that did occur my freshman year of high school. And um, I was at Columbine High School during the shootings that occurred on April 20th of 1999. And that that was a pivotal moment for me. Um, I was very supported by my community um, and my friends and all of us that went through that experience. But it was also um, not something we went through alone. And, and there was a lot of media and a lot of attention drawn to that, that I think, um, are likely ultimately things that probably also impacted my experience with that. Um, that was, that was a starting point of other traumatic events that I experienced throughout my high school, young adulthood and into adulthood. Um, and, going through that process and going through what I needed to do for my own therapy, um, both as an adolescent, like right in the acute time of that, um, as well as into my adulthood and through my own journey of of processing it. um, Those are pieces that have helped inform who I am and how I show up as a social worker today. I obviously have more I can expand on from that. So before I ramble too much, I'll see which direction you'd like to go with that. You know, and, and thank you for sharing that that you are a survivor of Columbine. I know that that is a deeply personal story for you that impacted so many and really was kind of the first large-scale mass trauma event that that was brought into the world, you know, a little bit more than 20 years ago. And, you know, here we are fast forward all these years later. I mean, we're having these events happen on, a, on an almost daily basis. Yeah. You know, again, knowing that you have a unique experience here, help us understand, you know, that time was very different than where we are in the world today. And we've almost gotten desensitized to this. I cannot imagine anybody going through it, experiences it any differently than you did. What do you think has changed or evolved in the 20 plus years since Columbine, you know, related to these large mass trauma events? You know, I think your word of desensitized is probably accurate. Um, you know, when that occurred, um, in 1999, it was the whole world was watching because it was such a shock that this is something that was even occurring. Clearly, there were several events um, that occurred in the years following, and um, as we get more recent um, in the la- in the last few years, it's, it has become so frequent that uh, we aren't really even always able to keep up with the numbers or how many people are impacted. <clears throat> And so, um, unfortunately, I think it is something that people have become desensitized to. I think depending on each of our own ways that we process trauma, people are responding and and advocating in different ways. So some people might be very involved in ways to be connected to those impacted by other mass shootings, other gun violence, um, might be involved in legislation as it relates to that. Um, others, such as myself, might be very involved in the mental health sec- sector and how we can support those impacted by trauma. Some might be able 
you know, my bitches need to disconnect from the news um, and detach from it because it can be so triggering and so hard to recognize and realize how often these things are occurring in our world. Um, Well, and I want, I want to underscore that just because we may as a society have become desensitized to this, it is in no way or shape or form. Should we be normalizing these conversations because these things happening are not normal. Like they, they should not become normal. Absolutely not. Um, And I think it's interesting because I think it's become, um, and you and I've had these conversations outside of this, of how much more access to mental health has become prevalent. People are talking about mental health. People are talking about mental health needs. And um, so I think there's a response as far as what people might need after a significant traumatic events and that people are recognizing those pieces. People are recognizing how trauma is impacting um, the brain and, and everyone's functioning. Um, and so while that awareness is amazing, it's it's almost like that that has become a focus um, and it it is not normal um, and it but it has become part of our society. Um, and, and I agree with you. It, it's very sad and disheartening and um hard to know that that so many people are going to continue to be impacted by these things. Right. And think about how many who already have, I mean, you you know, your generation sort of paved the way for what has come and, and frankly, it's not good. Um, you know, and as we were preparing for this, you mentioned, you know, obviously, you know, bravely showing up to share your story as a Columbine survivor, but really also underscoring that many other traumatic things kind of happened that led into shaping the work that you're doing, which I want to get into, but um, I want anybody that's listening to recognize that, you know, it doesn't have to be something as catastrophic as what Amy experienced to really have experienced trauma that you may need to recover from and move on in your life with. Amy, can you kind of validate that a little bit? Just, I know people tend to get stuck in bad things that happen. Let's call it that, not use the, the T word trauma yet. Um, you know, just in your experience of doing the work that that you've done, talk a little more practically about places that people get stuck because things happen to them. Hard and natural for us in society is to compare ourselves to others. And, you know, you've shared that at times, um, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm not always public with my experience at Columbine. And um, I've had a lot of reflecting on that over the last few years um, as far as how that interfaces with me professionally as well as personally. And, you know, one of the conclusions that I came to at one point was that I felt like I was not sharing that when I was in a leadership role out of protection for people that were um, reporting up to me, working for me. I saw myself as a place of being a support for them. And I never wanted them to feel that they were in a place of caretaking for me. Um, You know, I think they're might be some missed opportunities of showing that there's resiliency um, that comes through living these larger experiences. Um, but one of the other pieces that came up for me is is not ever wanting somebody to compare, right? When you hear um, the term Columbine, right? Like that, that can carry some heavy weight versus somebody who's maybe experienced um, poverty or food insecurities growing up or um, other types of gun violence that were related to where they lived and grew up and all of those things. um, And and then some, right. Those are just a few examples. 
are equally impactful traumas. And I think there are times that it's easy for us to compare, well, I didn't go through blank, so I shouldn't, I shouldn't have these feelings. Right. Um, and how important it is for us to honor ourselves that regardless of what our life experience is, regardless of what we've gone through, if something feels hard to us, it, it can be a hard thing. Um, and it can be a traumatic event for you. And how do you honor yourself and your own feelings for what's coming up for you? Um, regardless of, of how it might have name recognition or, um, it might have a larger impact on other parts of society. I really love that. And I think that's so important for anybody that's listening and, and understanding what you just shared with us about you intentionally didn't share your story at certain points in your career because you didn't want to overshadow anybody else's story because, you know, going through what you been, have been through instead of it perhaps being a conversation starter, it could be the comparison place that everybody undershadows or feels undershadowed in the story of what you've just mm -hmm. shared. So that that makes a lot of sense for me. And, you know, I also in, in knowing you recognize that the social worker in you is the person who puts on that professional hat that shows up to serve. Yeah, I guess the question for me, and, and I, I do want to get more into how these events really shaped you becoming a social worker. But were there times in showing up in that way for other people that diminished you or your story that you didn't feel validated or seen for what you had been through because you were so busy showing up to serve everyone else? Um, you know, I would say that probably had more of an impact on those closest to me and those who loved me the like the most, meaning I probably didn't feel that or see that myself, but I might've been, um, depleted from those experiences and not able to show up in ways that I wanted to, to, you know, have relationships and show love to others in my life. Um, so I think, Ultimately, I've seen that come up in ways not necessarily that I ever felt um, on scene or on the sidelines more uh, depleted and and kind of like I I had um, my gas tank was empty and unable to be to be present in other ways. Um, but I I never felt like that was um, something that came up for me that I wasn't feeling seen or that I felt overshadowed. Well, and the reality is, is, you know, people can't necessarily show up for you if you're not fully capable of expressing what your needs are. I mean, people are going to meet you mm -hmm. from their understanding of what they think you need, but, you know, and it makes perfect sense. I don't think that, that either of us are unique in showing up to serve others and perhaps putting ourselves last on the list. And I'm not, I'm not saying we continue to do that, but yeah, you know, there are points in time that I want to, if we're going to normalize something in um, this conversation, just recognizing that healing from trauma is a continuum, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and there are going to be many ups and downs or fits and starts and going through this that, you know, we evolve as humans and how we show up. I mean, I know even in my own story of beginning again, and, and you've walked much of this journey with me, you know, I am a different person in many ways than I was when I experienced some of those original traumas. And, and it is because I did the work, but also, I would be confronted at different times to show up in different ways to, mm -hmm. you know, to dig deeper, to realize that maybe I was holding a part of myself back for some, from uh, unhealed places. Has your experience been similar to that? You know, I would say that, um, yes and no. Um, you know, I think there's, there's pieces that, you know, 
during my adolescence, um, I was very much surrounded by a community of support where um, we leaned on each other quite a bit and some on professionals, which is, is part of why I chose social work. I did end up working with a social worker um, for kind of a, a short-term therapy intervention um, and really valued that work. But often, you know, we were such a tight community and we really did feel like other people didn't necessarily understand what we were going through at that time. Right. Um, and so there were times that I felt really, really validated and connected to other people. And like what I was doing was, um, I don't want to say right. That's not the right word, but I, I, I didn't feel like called out. I felt like things were okay. The way that I was coping, right. um, as I, as I went into my master's degree and I learned even more about trauma and, um, you know, what may come from my life experiences and how at different points in my life, I might have, um, different reactions and different memories come up. Um, all of those things were great. And also, just because you have the information doesn't mean you can get ahead of it, right? You don't change what your brain is going through. Um, and so my late 20s, I definitely went through some EMDR and I felt like that was the most supportive um, intervention for me in um, really making a shift for myself as far as how I saw um, trauma being present in my body and my reaction and my responses um, to those around me. And it is a continuum. It's it's going to continue to come up. Um, we can't control the things happening around us that are maybe going to bring things up for us as it relates to our life experiences. Um, and how do we do what's best and what is in our control to take care of ourselves and take care of our body and our well-being um, and feel connected to those around us that feel important as part of our own healing journey? Um, does that makes sense yeah, no, at all. No, that makes perfect sense. And what I'm really hearing from that is understanding is not the same as processing. Just because we can rationalize this happened and and I went through this does not mean that that actually is linear to what healing looks like and there may be other work to be done. And it sounds like that was through the course of your career has been validated by your experience with other people that might have showed up, other things that happened that then gave you another opportunity to take another pass at healing. Correct. Absolutely. Absolutely. Amy, this conversation is going so quickly. I want us to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to get a little more into the incredible work that you're doing to serve others. So give us a couple of minutes and we'll be right back with Amy Staley. Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Stuck in a state of being that holds us back from creating the life we truly desire. Regardless of your own blocks or limitations, imagine an easier way to get unstuck and move forward with your life. On this show, Jason Hopkins shares his practical next right step approach that will move you toward the life you really want. You too can be steps from getting the abundance, love, support, and fulfillment your heart desires. Get unstuck. Move forward with your life with Jason Hopkins. Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Did you know you have the power to overcome any obstacles and create the life you desire? Listen for Up Close and Empowered with host Sana Johns. 
Sana has proven with nearly three decades of experience, it is totally possible to become stronger, more confident, and empowered to live a life of love, fulfillment, and success. It's through Sana's personal transformation that has inspired her to awaken you to your divine power. Up close and empowered with Sana Johns, Thursdays at 12 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Enjoying our shows and can't get enough of us? Follow us on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio and see what we're cooking up for you. Welcome back to the show. If you have a question for Jason or his guests, join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now back to the show with Jason. Welcome back to Get Unstuck Radio. I am your host, Jason Hopkins, and today I have my incredible friend, Amy Staley, here. Amy's a licensed clinical social worker, and what she was sharing with us before the break, um, she is a Columbine survivor, a mass um, traumatic event that happened more than 20 years ago, and she has gone on to take that experience and others and really frame them into how she shows up to serve others in her um, work as a clinical social worker. So, Amy, Again, I'm so grateful that you're here. I'm grateful that you're sharing your story. Um, But what I really would love, you know, from your clinical hat, you know, let's talk about trauma for a second. And I know it's such a complex thing. And there's that comparison of my story's not as, as bad as theirs. So I don't, I'm not entitled to feel the way that I do. From your understanding as a trained professional, talk to us a little more practically about, you know, what is trauma and how can somebody experience that? And let's again, I'm going to use the word normalize, like let's normalize something that we all go through at, at varying degrees throughout the course of our lives. Sure. Thank you. So, you know, I feel like the term trauma, often people attached to in the mental health field, what we might call like a big T trauma. So things that would stand out um, as very significant events, right? A mass shooting war, significant car accident involving a death, um, you know, things, a significant sexual assault or um, sexual experience, um, things that might be identified as one singular kind of larger event that um, somebody from the outside might say like, oh, that must have been very traumatic, right? Like to oversimplify it. Um, But also there, you know, I, I know I was mentioning earlier, or even food insecurities or um, neglect, um, repeated kind of uh, verbal abuse, um, other pieces like that that also can have a significant impact on um, someone's nervous system and and can also cause trauma. Um, and so, you know, as a mental health professional, clearly there are things that we could say in the DSM are, are ways that trauma is diagnosed. Um, as Amy, the human being, um, I, and also as an LCSW, I say, if there's something that has occurred in your life that causes you significant distress, it is okay to attach that, that, that might be a trauma for you. Um, and that might be something that you need to allow yourself to, um, do something to get support around. Doesn't necessarily have to be therapy. And, um, in a minute here, we can go into other ways that you can address that, but, um, honor yourself and allow yourself to acknowledge 
this experience feels distressing to me. This brought discomfort and bring continues to bring discomfort to me in my life. And that's okay for me to honor myself and to do something to acknowledge that, to address it. I don't need to minimize my feelings. I don't need to pretend something didn't happen. Um, Maybe so nobody else even knows about it. It is still okay for you to honor yourself and listen to your body if there's something causing you distress. I love that. And I also want to clarify, I mean, it could be something that you experienced or witnessed. It didn't, it doesn't have to be a firsthand Absolutely. experience. I mean, you like with Columbine, you were involved in something that affected and impacted many, many people. Um, so there's that element of you may have witnessed something that can cause trauma that, you know, I think the important thing you said that really affects you in an ongoing way in your life. It it doesn't even have to be something you witnessed. It could be something that happened to a loved one that was across the country and you you know about, right? right? Um, You wouldn't even have to physically witness it with your eyes. If it's bringing you distress, honoring yourself and allowing yourself um, the space to acknowledge your distress is, can be very important. Well, and the way that you've described that so beautifully for us, I think really Um, I would imagine everybody listening can see themselves in some part of that experience. You know, we all, we all are going to, or have experienced trauma at some point. Um, I want to go back a little bit before we go forward to talk about the practical steps somebody can do to, to heal through things that happen. Give us a little more insight. So, you know, Columbine happened your freshman year of high school. You know, I know you had a community of support and did some clinical work around healing from that. How did that really, like, what what were the moments that framed you going into this field to support others, you know, in mental health? Yeah, well, I mean, I do feel there's a lot of it that's rooted in that. I also grew up in a house of, um, you know, a dad who was a, a therapist and worked in the mental health and behavioral health field and a mom who was a nurse and worked it within nursing and hospice. So I also grew up in a house that was... Um, about caregivers. serving other people. Correct. So, yeah, so service was a part of a part of my upbringing, um, you know, pre and post um, Columbine. So I think there's, there's some pieces related to that. But yeah, you know, after um, Columbine, I did work with a therapist who was a licensed clinical social worker, and she actually had a dog. Um, I ultimately had my dog trained and did animal assisted therapy for a short time with her. And um there were some pieces of that that felt very pivotal and helpful for me in ways that I wanted to be present for others who were in some of their darkest or troubling times. Um, And so I would say a lot of my work with her kind of inspired where I went Um, and then continuing to have access. I mean, starting in my undergrad, I um, volunteered at a domestic violence shelter and did a lot of work with people um, right in the moment um, after law enforcement had been out. And so dealing with others that were immediately after um, experiencing a traumatic event um, and getting that experience even in my undergrad is really what continued to solidify for me wanting to be present and show up for those impacted by trauma. You know, and and in my experience of working with you, and for full transparency, Amy and I worked together um, at the National Alliance on Mental Illness for Arapahoe and Douglas Counties here in Colorado, and have done a lot of work for what we consider vulnerable or marginalized communities. That could be communities that have, you know, higher than normal suicide um, ideation and completion rates, substance use and misuse disorders, depression, anxiety, et cetera. 
And what I love about working with somebody like Amy or Amy specifically is this um, this lack of fear to get in the weeds about things that are really impacting us and that really affect us, you know, in, in living our highest quality of life. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I think it all builds upon the work that you've done. You know, the, the reality is, and Amy, correct me if I'm wrong, you know, in some form or fashion, I mean, it appears like the world is a pot that's about to boil over and people are struggling at alarming rates and we're being called to show up to meet people where they are in ways that, that was never so visible, especially prior to COVID. Um, But it feels like this has been escalating over the course of the last several years. What do you think about the state of the state, so to speak? Well, that's a a late question. Um, (laughs) No, you're fine. I mean, I think as a social worker, it is so complex on so many levels, right? There, you know, clearly um, when we talk about marginalized and underserved populations, that's something that has been present in a part of my career um, from go. And also I think continues to be more and more prevalent within our society as far as um, access that people have um, to care discrimination that people are experiencing. And so I think there's there's several things kind of coming into play as you're talking about this, right? There's um, everything everyone experienced during the pandemic and um, what came of that for them um, and how the mental health world has changed a bit from that, whether that be um, fatigue and obviously healthcare workers are experiencing that as well, um, whether that be more people are experiencing and acknowledging their own mental health. So there, there's a lot that has come from that and the system being flooded. Um, there's clearly a lot that has gone on in our society as it relates to um, racism and the way that that shows up in conversations and um, access that people have in regards to support. I mean, I think, you know, some of the work that I have done um, and and felt motivated to do in, in regards to serving when I worked in Boston was supporting communities that were impacted by, by gun violence in their communities. And, you know, while I appreciated the massive amount of support and I will never, um, never say that I, I don't feel um, like I had them, this amazing community after Columbine, I also recognize there are a lot of people that were experiencing um, gun violence on the streets um, well before Columbine and obviously continue to. Right. And and some of those pieces aren't necessarily always given the same attention or the same support. Um, and, and that's not to minimize that, that I know that there's a ton of efforts targeting these areas and probably many that, um, you know, I, I'm not even aware of. Um, and I know there's a lot of organizations that um, are grassroots and trying to support um, efforts and support families impacted by that. Um, I worked with a small um, organization in Boston as an intern that was um, started by a mom whose son was impacted um, or she was impacted by homicide. Um, her, she lost her son and it was really targeted sort of supporting other families impacted by the same thing. And so I think when you talk about the state of the state, there are pieces for me that feel there's a lot that's changed and there's a lot that's different today. Um, And there's a piece of me that feels like there's a lot more 
access to information, whether that be social media, internet, or not, um, internet, you know, I'll just say internet, um, <laughs> et cetera, that really is bringing some of these things to light more, right? Um, the political climate, um, all of these pieces, I, I think, are impacting some of where we're at today. Um, and I think for me personally, as a human, I know I have a passion of of wanting to be a kind, caring human that recognizes that everyone struggles and, and we're all here to support each other. Um, and how can we have grace with each other and recognize that we all might have hardships and, and things that are causing us distress in life? And, and how do we how do we show up just to be kind and connected to each other? I love that. And, you know, I mean, the, the word humanity certainly starts with the word human. And I think that when we talk about this, you know, as I mentioned earlier, it feels like the world is a pot that's about to boil over for all of the external factors you've mentioned and many others. You know, if we want to bring it back to the human centric perspective here, you know, just you putting on your professional hat as Amy, the social worker, you know, if somebody has been impacted by trauma or a traumatic event and it, you know, is disrupting their their day to day life. Where do they begin? Because you know, whether it's the internet or social media, I mean, the reality is, is you can find anything you want directed the way you believe the information should be presented, which is not always the right way or the most helpful way. But if somebody's listening and they're like, "Oh, you know, I I might want to do some work around that," what are some ways for people to get connected? Yeah, I mean, I think. Um, that is one thing that has been great post pandemic. I think there's there, while the mental health system is flooded, there's also a lot more access because so many people are doing virtual care right now. Um, and people, you know, it, it used to be, well, I don't maybe have time for therapy or I can't fit that in. And now people are able to log in and, and fit that into their schedule in different ways, or potentially have access to somebody that might have a specialty, um, that would target their area of need. So, you know, as we think of, of that, I think recognizing what for you would be the best place to start, meaning for some people, it might be engaging in formal therapy. Um, I, as I shared, I'm a firm believer in EMDR. Um, it's something I have. Tell us what EMDR is just so we normalize that. Eye movement, desensitization, and reprocessing. Um, so essentially what EMDR does is um, there's a, a specific protocol that you go through um, and your therapist guides you through after, um, you know, a lot of kind of front loading and work to create some safety and containment. And it helps your brain um, kind of rewire what... Um, might come up for you when you're represented with um, a traumatic experience. So for some of us, when we um, might have an experience that um, brings up some feelings or um, kind of causes us pause because it reminds us of something that we experienced um, that was a traumatic event for us or was a distressing memory for us, what EMDR does is it helps you be able to be presented with that without it bringing up kind of that, that pause or that traumatic memory with it bringing up more of the, you've survived this. And, um, because of that, you are, you know, this person and kind of replacing it with a positive thought for yourself. 
and a positive life experience that really balances your body and the way that your body is responding to that. Um, And there's so many different ways that somebody can approach EMDR. There's now things called EMDR intensives, where after you do build up with a therapist, you can actually go and and have more of an intensive experience for six to eight hours. Um, While you do this reprocessing, um, it is still something you can schedule out um, bi-weekly or weekly. you know, some of the things that I think people find beneficial about EMDR, if it is something that does align and work for them, is that um, once you get in your flow, it, it's not something that's going to be, um, well, most in most situations, it's not going to be like years of therapy, right? right. Um, uh, versus, and, and some people feel like, you know, I don't know that I have the energy to go and talk about that over and over, right? EMDR isn't necessarily something that you are going to go and talk. Your your therapist is going to be guiding you through memories and you're going to give snippets of information that might be coming up for you, but you're not even necessarily having to share the whole story out loud. Um, you're going to be processing this and they're going to be guiding you through the process. Um, and and I, I've done EMDR, EMDR myself and really had such a pro- positive experience on the few occasions that I've done it. Um, yeah, it's, it's a powerful tool. And I think, you know, in addition to that, there's, as I'm sure everyone has heard, there's such a a push for meditation and yoga and other ways to be connected with your body. A lot of, you know, as you've even heard me talking today, as we're talking about distressing experiences in life and where that lives in our body or if we're noticing those, if you're noticing things in your body, there are ways for you to also work to feel connected to your body and what's coming up for you. So for some people, people um, doing a daily meditation or things to ground them when they feel those distressing moments or engaging in yoga um, or any other type of, you know, Reiki, other ways to be connected to your body and kind of work with some, work with somebody that might have energy work, energy movement, those types of pieces as well. Um, and I share that because I, I think if you're wanting to engage in therapy, you really want to make sure that you're at a place for that that feels like the right step for you. And in no way do I think anything is a one size fits all. People have to decide what's right for them. Um, Almost all therapists have a free consultation time. If you're on the fence, look up a therapist or two and call them. Um, It's just like a job interview, right? Like call them, see if something feels like a good fit, ask them questions, see if you feel comfortable. You might be like, that sounds great. And I have these like eight things coming up in my life. So how about I'm going to call you back in March, right? Um, It it doesn't hurt to call and do some information gathering for yourself um, and to feel connected and and do some research on what might feel good for you. Um, A lot of therapists now also write blogs, engage in podcasts like this, do do ways that you can do some information gathering for yourself on what might feel like a person who feels aligned for you or if they have recommendations on work you can do on your own. Um, so those are those are a couple of my thoughts. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, I, I, I've had other guests and we've talked about how finding a therapist is a little like dating. I mean, being able to, uh, you know, realize that you're getting into what I'm going to call an intimate relationship with somebody, so to speak, and, yeah. you know, sharing pieces of yourself that maybe you've not shared with other people. You want it to be a good fit. Amy, I'm loving this conversation. We need to take a quick break. But when we come back, I really want to dig into this notion of you said something a minute ago about a one size fits all and how this process is not that. Let's talk a little more practically about that. We'll see you here in just a couple of minutes. 
Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Stuck in a state of being that holds us back from creating the life we truly desire. Regardless of your own blocks or limitations, imagine an easier way to get unstuck and move forward with your life. On this show, Jason Hopkins shares his practical next right step approach that will move you toward the life you really want. You too can be steps from getting the abundance, love, support, and fulfillment your heart desires. Get unstuck. Move forward with your life with Jason Hopkins. Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Want to see what Voice America is up to behind the scenes? Follow us on TikTok at Voice America Talk Radio. Welcome back to the show. If you have a question for Jason or his guests, join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now back to the show with Jason. Welcome back to Get Unstuck Radio. I'm your host, Jason Hopkins, and today I have my friend and colleague, Amy Staley. Amy's a licensed clinical social worker, and um, we framed this conversation today around healing from trauma. And as a Columbine survivor, Amy has bravely showed up to share her story with us today and really how that traumatic event led into her showing up to serve others in the professional work that she does. And you had mentioned something before the break, Amy, that I think is so important you know, recognizing that that mental health is not a one size fits all solution. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'd love for us to unpack that a little bit, because I think that that notion right there is a lot of why we have so many challenges in the mental health solution system is the system was designed to assume that people were going to take certain steps at certain points in their recovery journey. And as you mentioned, there are other modalities that people can access or take advantage of, um, you know, that, that may not look like a traditional system approach. Talk to us a little bit more from your perspective around this notion that this is not a one size fits all sort of um, process for most people. Yeah. You know, for me, I feel like, um, when I was younger and I had gone through traumatic experiences and people were saying, maybe you should try therapy. There was a lot of resistance, right? Like some of that could have been adolescence, but even, um, into my twenties when probably things were coming up more for me. And I, um, before I started engaging in therapy and, and I had some close, um, people in my life suggest reconsidering that, um, and I, I think I want to normalize that, you know, at times when people around you that love you and support you are potentially suggesting that they're sort of saying, hey, is there is there more help or more support you need? And for some people, therapy might not be the space that that feels the most supportive for them. Um, you know, I feel like I've heard some people talk about that for them in their culture or some in their life experience, like they go and talk to their barber. I know I've talked to my <laughs> hairstylist about how she, um, you know, she often sometimes feels like she, she hears things that potentially are outside of her scope of being able to support. Not that sure. she's um, not glad to be that person, but um, I'm not necessarily suggesting that you go talk to your barber, or your hairstylist more talking about the fact that like, you have to find what works for you. So if somebody's suggesting to you to maybe explore therapy, or if you're like, should I look into this? Um, 
try and be shame free with yourself. Try not to have judgment for yourself. If, if that is something that comes up for you that um, you want to look at, okay, can I try a couple of different things? Does it help me if I go for a walk, um, you know, three times a week and I get outside a little bit more? Is that when I notice that I feel a little bit better? Um, does it help me, you know, if I go to yoga a couple of times a week, do I feel more grounded? Um, when I notice myself kind of having um a lot of extra energy or having a response to something. Is it help me if I have a cup of tea and I go sit in the quiet room for five minutes or I listen to a meditation about self-compassion? Um, I'm throwing out these ideas because I think that we all at times then can also overattach and maybe we try one therapist and maybe you were dating and it wasn't the right fit. And right. then you're like, well, therapy's not for me. <laughs> right. Like, and, and I think I encourage you to recognize that at different periods in your journey and your continuum, you might need different types of intervention and you may or may not need therapy um, more than once in your life and figuring out what types of therapy or what is beneficial for you about that type of therapy at that time. Um, and also allowing yourself grace that if for some reason something didn't fit in that moment, that that doesn't mean that you failed or it's not for you or to kind of give up on that and to just accept that you need to be living with this distress. There might or be that it will always be that way. Exactly. Exactly. There's, uh, there's definitely hope for that to not, um, for it to not always be that way. Thank you for clarifying that. Yeah, I again, I can even think about my own journey. And I mean, it's been a long one and just uh, about all of the supportive people who have helped along the way, whether it was a therapist or a coach or supportive friends. You know, I think what I'm hearing for you from you validating is, you know, it is okay to be reliant on another person, whether it's a professional or a trusted colleague, you know, in your instance, your hairdresser or my barber. Um, I got my hair cut this morning and, you know, we had a pretty interesting conversation about a lot of different things. But, um, you know, I, I, I want to also acknowledge that um, this piece that you mentioned earlier, that if, if it is causing you distress, ongoing distress, something that you're seeing showing up in your life over and over, like those things don't go away just because you may have a good day or two or a month or, or, or a year that they, that they go away and they're not front of mind. It doesn't necessarily mean that it goes away. And it also doesn't imply that if it comes back again and is something for you to deal with, that that means you're weak or not capable, mm-hmm. you know, like I think our body does a tremendous job about giving us clues when we need to tap in and go within a little bit. And you've given us some excellent guidelines around ways we can do that. You know, I want to normalize that, that listening to what, what you're being shown and what, what you're being guided to, that's really important in the journey of healing. Mm-hmm. And I know that's not always clear, but I mean, it may show up as I'm angrier today than normal, or I feel resentful about this situation mm-hmm. or that interaction with somebody really, you know, just upset me in a way that I didn't expect. Like those can all be really great clues around these unhealed pieces. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like listening to those internal voices and internal feelings and body sensations is, is are very good indicators for us that something is coming up for us. You know, and having done this work a fair bit of time, and of course, I don't have the same credentials that you do, Amy, as a certified coach, though, I have worked with many people who are doing the same journey and having worked in mental health for the better part of a decade. 
you know, really recognizing the thing that I can affirm at this point after hundreds or thousands of people, I don't know the number, I don't keep track, but um, the things that we often think are going to be the hardest to heal and, and uncover, those are usually not the things that knock you for a loop. It's the stuff that wakes you up in the middle of the night that mm-hmm. you never expected or you saw coming. So what I want to affirm for many people listening um, is some of those things that you're afraid of talking about or exploring, like those probably likely will not be the hardest parts of that journey, but they could be the starting point for embarking on something that is really the journey of creating a beautiful relationship with yourself. You know, that like, Mm -hmm. like, that's the relationship you're going to be in the longest and the most, Um, you know, this is work that's necessary and valuable to do. I think for most of us to get the lives we desire. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I think some of that even goes into not just the lives we desire, but the lives we deserve. And that at times we minimize allowing ourselves to feel like we can allow ourselves to experience joy or experience things that make us happy. Um, we do a lot of kind of shitting on ourselves. I should do this, or I have to do this instead of allowing ourselves to think of, okay, what do I want to do to be happy? And and what would make my life feel happy and fulfilled? Um, and that that's okay to have that experience. Um, especially with as many things that we've even discussed today that are, are hard and are occurring in our, our world and our lives around us. Um, I think sometimes we don't allow ourselves to feel that joy and, and happiness. I think experiencing negative things in today's day and age, it's, it's inescapable. I don't think any of us escape. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think you can obviously decide what external factors you add to the mix, watching the news, you know, who you engage with, et cetera. You know, and I know for many people, family and friends are such a huge support. And I just want to want to kind of level set the reality of people can only meet you from their own place of experience. So a lot of times when we reach out to a loved one, if they have no experience or understanding of what you've been through, I'm not saying they're not going to be compassionate and have empathy for your story, but they might not be the best person to help you move through these experiences. You know, and it's important as somebody, you know, seeking to open the door of support to recognize, you know, does this person, while they may care for me, do they have the experience necessary to help guide me through some of these challenging things? Like, have you experienced that with people you've worked with? I mean, I think family and friends can can be a hindrance at some point for many people. Yeah. I mean, I think um, allowing yourself not to, to be in tune with yourself and what's coming up for you and to try not to compare or let others who are maybe um, invalidating or unaware of your life experience and maybe potentially minimizing that, whether it's because they don't know or they have a different perspective on how it's impacting you. Um, And so I think it's important for you to allow yourself to feel like you can be present with what's coming up for you um, and know that you probably have a lot of loved ones who are around you who want to offer support and be there for you. And also if they don't potentially know everything that's impacting you, or they might have a different perspective on why and how that's impacting you, doing your best to allow um, their feedback or voice, if, if it's minimizing your experience, um, to not have a large space and in, in kind of your decision as far as how much that's impacting you. 
right? That makes sense. That felt a little yeah. like I was talking in circles. No, I mean, I think that's a beautiful way of putting it. And I go back to people can only meet you from their own place of experience. Mm-hmm. You know, Amy, as a professional who does this work with, with tremendous personal experience, how do you think as a society, we can better um, support one another long-term with resources, you know, as these traumatic you know, mass casualty events continue to happen. What are, what are some steps that we can take to, to better prepare? You know, I wish I had a crystal ball to say what we (laughs) could do to prepare ourselves. Um, What I can say is, is, and, and I kind of think I went into this with just trying to be human and kind to each other is, is doing our best to understand that we may or may not know what somebody across from us is, is going through. Um, and doing our best to not compare ourselves to others. Um, I, I know I shared, I had other traumatic experiences. I've, I've also lost five people in my life, um, to suicide. And, um, one within the last year, that was, was somebody that went to Columbine with me. And I think there's a lot of comparing that we do in our society, as far as how we overcome things or we recover things or, um, oh gosh, how does that person have strength to do that? And I don't have that, you know, allowing yourself to understand that it's okay if your experience is different. Right. And also if somebody seems like they have strength in that day, they might not have had strength the day before. And, um, we all just need to be kind with ourselves and kind with each other to understand that, there's a lot around us that we can't change. There's a lot out of our control in our society and how can we do our best to be in control with what is in our control? And that is being connected to ourselves, giving ourselves grace and kindness and and trying to show kindness and support um, to those around us, whether we know what they're going through or we don't. Um, And even, even when we do know some of what they're going through, we don't necessarily for sure know how that is impacting them. Um, we can do our best to have empathy and understanding, but um, we all experience things differently. I, I love that. And I think it really underscores, you know, we're humans having a human experience and this this shared notion of humanity. You know, Amy, what's next for you on your journey of resilience and inspiration for others? Are there any projects or goals that you'd like to share with us? Sure. I mean... Goodness, Jason, what's next for me? If you would have asked me six (laughs) months ago what I was doing today, I'm not sure I would have had this exact answer. So who knows? But, um, you know, I feel very lucky in that throughout my professional career, building and maintaining professional relationships has been very important to me. And I think that's part of why um, I've been fortunate to do the work I'm doing with you with um, NAMI Arapahoe Douglas counties. Um, We are also um, have recently launched a a new podcast called nobody's perfect. Yes. um, Talking about um, some of the issues that youth are facing today and ways for youth and families to have conversations. And um, while that's just getting started, I I do feel a lot of hope and excitement for where that's to come. Um, I also am in a part-time program manager role with um, Case & Co., which is an EMDR training organization. And I feel very blessed and fortunate to be surrounded by um, a lot of very, very, very smart people who are um, highly trained in EMDR and training others in EMDR and coming up with 
all sorts of ways that we can be responsive um, to what's happening in the world around us and to the amount of trauma and life experiences um, that we are experiencing. And so it's it feels empowering to me to be a part of supporting kind of a training community that's going to have a positive impact on therapists around the country who are um, there and going to be sh- there to show up and serve others and support others. So, um, awesome. you know, those are my few professional contract roles that I'm doing at this time. And I, I feel lucky that um, my professional relationships have kind of um, slowly morphed into these roles where I get to still have contact and communication and, and work with people I've worked with in the past, um, both with you and with um, Case and & Co. And, and I um, we'll see what else is to come. Um, for now, I, I'm loving supporting things as a social worker from the macro lens and being a support um, for how I can support others in the field and right. support families and youth and having these conversations. I love it. And thank you for shining your bright light. Amy, if our listeners wanted to get in touch with you, how can they connect with you? Um, great question. Um, I do have, obviously I have LinkedIn. Um, I also have an Amy Staley Instagram and Facebook. I'm, I'm kind of building those up. I'm new to the social media platform with that, but I'm sure I'll have some supports along the way. Um, and that would probably be the best way to get in touch with me. Thank you. Sounds great. And if you haven't done so, we'd love for you to subscribe to Get Unstuck Radio show pages. You can find us at Get Unstuck Radio on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Next week, we'll have another inspiring guest that I guarantee you will not want to miss. Amy, finally, before we wrap up, can you tell me one thing you're grateful for today? Yeah, um, you know, I'm grateful that I've had the opportunity to have this conversation and to be able to talk about the importance of allowing ourselves to feel emotions and distress that's coming up for us and honor those and work through them and to be in a place that it's okay to feel happy and find joy in your life and to feel connected to those around you. Um, And hopefully that brings some hope for folks that are going through times that feel really distressing and feel like there isn't um, some hope at the other end, because, you know, I, I am here to tell you it. I, I understand that it is hard. I've gone through many of the journeys myself in times that I felt were overwhelming. And, um, I do hope that people feel that they, they feel empowered to do something for themselves and to honor their own feelings. Great. That's so awesome. And I'm grateful that you're here today until next time. Remember every journey begins with a next step and you too can be your own champion. Thanks for joining us for get unstuck radio. I'm your host, Jason Hopkins. Thanks for listening to today's show. We hope we've helped you identify how you can overcome the mental block that's been keeping you stuck until we talk again. We wish you a great week.